Hey, Becca, what's the best platform to sell an online course with? The only answer is Kajabi. It's an all-in-one platform where you can host your course or your membership and your blog and your website and a podcast and your email all in one. And even better, you can get a free 30-day trial of Kajabi to see why we love it so much. See the links below or head to teachwellonline.com slash Kajabi to get a 30-day free trial. And you can play around with your course, with your membership, and see all the tools it has to offer to grow your business. How long should a good online lesson be? Like when you are creating your online course and you have a lesson to teach, what's the magic number? How many minutes should this be to give the best value, to create the happiest learner? How long should a good online lesson be? That's what today's episode is all about. Here on the Teach Well podcast, we are walking through the A to Z method of how to show up and teach well online. And we are on episode B, which is all about the bite-sized teaching. Yeah, that's right. You will teach well online when you teach in bite-sized pieces or bite-sized lessons. This is one of the hardest things for educators to do, but it's one of the easiest ways to make a bigger difference in your teaching and in your lessons. Now, Chad and I have background and degrees and education and experience of classroom teaching, which does not really allow itself for bite-sized teaching because when your students came into the room, you had about 90 minutes to fill up with them. And that's not a bite-sized piece. No. And, and and it's interesting how we approach teaching lessons. So I remember back when we were in the classroom, you had a specific standard that you had to teach either for that day or for that week, right? And so I remember like the first thing you have to work really hard with is like, okay, how am I going to fill up the day? Or how am I going to fill up the the class, right? So if you, you taught an hour and you had the kids for an hour, or if you taught for the entire day, you immediately start thinking, how am I going to fill up this space? instead of necessarily, how am I going to teach them most effectively and get them to the desired outcome that we're going for? And, and this was, do you remember doing that? Yes. That's why I, we talked about the carbon cycle and how I had to teach that. And I had to fill up an entire like 90 minute session on the carbon cycle and had to create all these different activities and games, you know, like to help it stick. And I think that's a lot of what we do when we show up to teach online. We've had so many educators ask us when they're creating, they come to us with their outlines and they have their course and they're asking, okay, but like, how long should this be? You know? And I think the biggest question that people have asked is like, oh, this lesson is only five minutes. That's not good enough. And they want to know what's the magic number. How many minutes should a good lesson be? Right. And a lot of people feel the the money pressure too, because this is maybe the first time that they're getting paid specifically to uh, teach something. And not only are they concerned with filling up an adequate amount of time, because we have this fear that if we only speak for a few minutes or we don't give enough information, then maybe People think that we don't know what we're talking about, but it's a money thing too, because you feel like you have to work extra hard to justify the money. So if you charge, say, a couple hundred bucks for a course, depending on what you're doing, and then now you're like, okay, I've got to teach all of this content and I've got to make sure that I make it worth it for this person. And and so we think, okay, it's, it's time, it's space. The more I say, the more value it is. And here's the thing. I would actually pay more money for you to just tell me quickly and efficiently what I'm looking for. I would pay more money for a good, highly trained educator to just tell me what it is I need to know than I would when we get in this trap of thinking that more content is worth more money. Correct. 
And I do remember having those similar thoughts when we put out our first course editions in um, for Little Z's where we talked about how to sleep train your baby. The reality was I had nailed down in a 45-minute lesson from top to bottom how to get your baby to sleep all night long, 11, 12 hours within two weeks. I could tell you that in 45 minutes and tell you everything you needed to do, which is fantastic. If you're a tired parent, please, I don't have hours to try to sift through things. Just tell me exactly what I need to do. And I'm thankful that our entrepreneurial journey got started with marketing and creating content for tired parents because you know, we learned a lot (laughs) that when you are teaching to tired parents, you have to teach like bite size is the only way to effectively communicate. But what we've learned is that everyone is tired and it's not just that we're not sleeping. It's just that we have a limited time and resources. And so when you can present your content and your course into bite-sized pieces, that is going to be the most effective way to lead your learner to the result that they paid you for in the first place. There's a lot of fluff out there. And it's either because there's a lot of people that don't know how to clearly teach it, or there's just this misunderstanding that it has to be a, a certain length of time and it has to be a, a certain amount of words and, and you have to captivate people's attention for a certain length, right? And both are wrong. And I think that's what leads to a lot of fluff out there. But online teaching is different. Online teaching, you are going to wow your people. You're going to have people giving you money when you can clearly and to the point quickly. Yeah, teach it communicate it. exactly what you're trying to say. There is actually someone out there who may be like, this does not apply to me. Bite-sized teaching does not apply to me. I am not going to listen to this episode because I don't agree with what Chad and Becker are saying. You know what? You're right. There is only one group of people out there that this does not apply to. Who is it? That would be celebrities. (laughs) If you are a celebrity, I don't want you to give me bite-sized. I want you to tell me every juicy nugget and detail that you possibly have to offer. If you are Joanna Gaines and you have these children and you have apparently this amazing family life, I want you to spend hours telling me about your bedtime routine. I want you to spend hours walking me through how you've cultivated this family bond. If you're Taylor Swift, I want you to dote on for for half an hour about what kind of pencil you use. I want to know every juicy detail. Don't cut to the chase. But you and I, Chad, we're not celebrities. No. And most of us aren't. And so when people are paying us for information online, they are looking, they like you, they trust you, and they want to be like you, and they want to have the results that you're selling. But we also are going to, like you said, wow them and win them over when we can get them to the result through bite-sized pieces. So what exactly is teaching bite-sized pieces? What does that look like? I use it like a food analogy, right? So much like how our bodies can't consume an entire plate of food all at once, right? That's just not possible. Our brain works the same way when it comes to learning. Our brain likes to take things in small digestible pieces, right? That, that we can think about, that we can manipulate and work with and, and then ultimately reproduce, right? And so our working definition of a bite-sized lesson is a lesson that leads the learner to a single winning outcome. And this is key. A bite-sized lesson isn't about how long it is. It could literally be five minutes. It could be 60 minutes. It could be a two-hour long lesson as long as it leads the learner to a single winning outcome. So how long does it take for you to reach your goal? And I think 
the problem that a lot of people run into in breaking down information is this part right here, the action, the outcome. I was auditing uh, someone's course a couple of weeks ago. I was going through their course, looking at their lessons, listening to them, taking notes um, to provide feedback on how to make it better. And he taught a 20-minute lesson. So I listened to it. And at the end of those 20 minutes, I had no clue what I just listened to. And, and I'm not speaking poorly of this person. I just, I didn't, I wasn't tracking with it. I wasn't following along with it. Well, then it kind of makes you wonder, what's wrong with me? Why can't I understand I, this? I, I know. And so I, I put it on 2X and I listened to it again and again. And I start to actually take some notes. And after a few times listening to this, this person wanted me to do seven different things after listening to this lesson. After mm-hmm. listening to that lesson, he wanted me to take seven actions. And I couldn't remember. That's a lot. I couldn't remember three or four of them at a time, let alone all seven of them. I wrote them down. And so what do you do typically after a 20-minute long lesson? There's seven different action steps in there. What do you do to try to remember? Like if I were to go downstairs into the kitchen and somebody were, you were to ask me like, hey, what, did, what were you doing the last 20 minutes? Oh, I was listening to this lesson. Oh, what was it about? The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the title of the lesson because a lot of times the lesson title will help jog my memory and, and kind of summarize exactly what it is I learned. So I go back to this person's lesson and the lesson was called Lesson 3. Hmm. Okay, so I spent 20 minutes listening to Lesson 3 and it had seven different actions that I'm supposed to take and I can barely remember two of them at a time. It was as if someone had served you a seven course meal all at once and expected you to be able to enjoy, digest, have a good time, take a bite of everything, try everything, understand if you liked it all, all in 20 minutes. Each of those actions was easily a different lesson all of its own. Which is so fascinating because a learner when they pay for this course and they get in and they see like, wow, seven actions. Oh, that's worthwhile. Right. Whereas we're thinking, no, let me try to get it and condense it as quickly as possible. We're actually doing a disservice by trying to shove as many things as possible. And so that's why it is so helpful for you and your learner to present bite-sized pieces that lead that learner to one single outcome that lets them win. So when you're talking about creating a course, In a lesson, there is only one outcome, one thing to hold on to. Because remember, learning is a process of being led to something. You can't lead them in seven different directions all at once. The biggest thing that you and I have learned again through teaching tired parents and then teaching other entrepreneurs how to grow their business and doing this all online is that people desire to have one step at a time. People can easily become overwhelmed. And so this gets into actually something that you you talk about a lot, which is the premacy recency effect. So this is something that I learned in college where people will remember the very first thing that they hear and the very last thing that they hear. And the stuff in between is kind of give or take. But typically, people will always remember the first and the last thing. And so when you're thinking about a lesson, you always want to put a lot of your, your weight on the front end of it because that's, that's the stuff that they're most likely to remember. And you always want to kind of come in at the back end of it and recap it and focus on that main thing towards the end. Because once you kind of start the lesson and, and you get them engaged, they're going to start to kind of tune out a little bit. But then you've got to bring them back at the end. And that's why typically people will only remember the first or last thing. But what this says about us, though, is that we are impatient people just by nature. And, yeah. and and if you want to talk about just in terms of learning and education, 
especially online, we are impatient learners. We want to know what we want to know right away. Get to the point. We want to know it. And that's what we're, we're waiting for. That's what we're, we're hoping for. And so what we have to be asking ourselves when we're teaching is, what is it that they are impatient for? When you're writing a lesson, and, and you're trying to identify what is my, my one outcome? What is my one takeaway? It's really helpful to think, well, what is it that they're impatient for? A couple of years ago, I'm really into cooking and I'm like, what is the proper way to cut an onion? And so I go to YouTube because YouTube is the great source of knowledge and information. And I look up how to cut an onion. Famous chef gets on there and teaches how he cuts an onion. Do you know how upset I would have been if he would have started by saying, well, the first thing we need to do is we need to peel this skin. And the reason that an onion has a skin is because of the climate that it grows in. You'll typically find sweet onions, dry onions. They're all di- I don't care about any of that <laughs> stuff. I want you to take your knife and show me how to cut the onion. That's what I have an onion in my I hand and I want to know right now. I want to know it right now. That's what I'm impatient for. That's what I'm looking for. And the win for me is that if I can watch that, whether it's a 30-second tutorial, whether it's a two-minute tutorial on how to properly cut an onion, the win for me is that I can go and I can cut that onion. And I don't care anything else about that onion other than being able to cut it and cut it well. That's my win. Exactly. You know, what we're sharing today, it aligns a lot with the hero's journey, right? That Donald Miller teaches and StoryBrand, where you are not the hero, you were the guide, right? And so remember a lot of that, it's crafted for marketing and messaging. But if your entire course is developed around you are the hero and you were the one who has all the information, I can spend 20 minutes telling you about the onion skin. That's not the point because you have not led the learner to success. The position that you take as the educator and the reason that people will pay you, as you said earlier, Chad, the reason that people will pay you good money is that you can guide them to a winning result. That's why people are interested. Going back to this primacy recency idea of people only really remembering the first and the last thing, if you want to know if you have a really, really good bite-sized lesson, like if you're looking, if you've already written lessons and if you want to know this is a bite-sized lesson, Can your learner listen to it only once Mm. and be able to take away clearly what it is? And that's hard, even even for you and I, as as people that have been teaching for so many years, like that's that's a hard thing, but that's a goal. Can the learner listen to it once, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a lesson in an online course, can they listen to it just once and then be able to go and do? That is one of the greatest measures of an an effective bite-sized When you actually looked up on YouTube, like how to cut an onion, you were able to then come to me and say, hey, look, I just learned this. This is how you actually properly cut an onion. I did. You were very quickly able to tell me that, which was great because that means that that educator, that person online was able to teach you very quickly and you could then replicate it, which is amazing. And so when we're talking about even the premacy recency effect in my world, when I talk about bedtime routines, I sure hope that I can present a podcast or a concept or a lesson on the bedtime routine that that person could easily listen and then go tell their partner, hey, this is what we're going to do tonight. And and exactly spit it back out. That's right. Because I served them exactly what they needed. I didn't need to teach them what a bedtime routine is for a newborn all the way through a five-year-old because they have a nine-month-old. They just need the baby routine. And so that, again, is another great way 
that offers those bite-sized wins for your learners. But also, gosh, it does you a favor because now instead of saying, oh, here is a podcast all about the bedtime routine for all the ages, well, you actually just did yourself a disservice and I would have done myself a disservice because actually that's like four different episodes right there. And gosh, you can really stretch out your content, which is amazing. Yeah, this again, not trying to date us, but hopefully everybody listening to this understands what an old cassette tape is or an old VHS tape, right? You remember like the old cassette tapes, like if you wanted to find the third track, you had to fast forward and rewind, fast oh, forward so and annoying. rewind so many times until you could find it. And then you you find the song, but you're not at the beginning of the song. And you just have to rewind a little. It was like an art yeah, to like terrible. figure out how to get it was, there. It was absolutely terrible. Or same thing with like a VHS tape and mm-hmm. you had to like rewind it all the way. Well, Again, keeping in mind with online teaching, people are coming and going. They want a bite-sized win. They want to be able to go and do. You have to present your lessons in a clear, bite-sized way or else, for example, like what you just said, if, if you've got somebody, if you're teaching a routine, for example, like a daily routine for a beginner and then for an intermediate and then for an advanced student. And if you teach all of that in just one lesson, well, if you've got your advanced person here, they're going to have to listen to the beginner routine, Mm -hmm. which they don't need. And then they're going to have to listen to the intermediate routine, which they don't need, Mm -hmm. just so that they can find the one that they do need, which in reality, that's three different lessons. Or you're going to have the beginner that's going to listen to their bit, and then they're gone, and they're going to miss out on on what they could become. That skews your analytics as well. Oh, and then it goes into SEO, right? Like, I mean, search engine optimization, it gets so much more clear when you're on one focused lesson topic. So, I mean, there are so many different reasons why this is so important from a learner's perspective. You know, if I were to pull you and say like, what job do you think that Chad had between being a high school band director, being a high school band director, and being an entrepreneur and partnering together with me. What job do you think he had? You would never guess that he, in fact, worked at a Christmas nutcracker shop. I did. It was a special point in my life. It that, was. Yeah, that we were in that season. We had just moved up here to Virginia, where we are now. And I had just finished teaching. I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I knew, had some goals, didn't really know what it was going to be. And so for a season, I worked in a nutcracker shop. It was a wood shop. And we did exactly what it sounds like. We built nutcrackers and ginger cottages every single day with Handmade, my hands. Handmade, intricate pieces. Yes, it was fun. When I was being taught how to do this, we would start with the head. I, I remember vividly, like we would get this, this head shape and it's just this piece of round wood. And we would start with the, the blush. We would spray paint these little red... Cheeks. Cheeks, yeah. <laughs> That's what they're uh, called. On, onto the face, right? they came out with this this air gun this spray gun and the problem was if you if you sprayed it too hard and too close you'd make a, a blotchy runny red spot right if you held it too far away and, and you didn't spray it enough it would cover the whole head in red so it took a lot of practice after i did probably 50 and then 100 and then more than that i got really really good at figuring that out right and then we would move to the next thing okay now we need to paint the eyeballs right and so here are the colors you need here, here's the brush that you need. Here's the strokes. And then we'd, we'd go and we'd paint the eyeballs, right? And then we'd have to glue the hair together. And you think about all these different pieces that, that went into just making the head. And then we'd learn how to spin the body on a lathe, right? So we'd put this chunk of wood onto the lathe and we'd grab the, the chisels and the tools that we would need for that. And we'd spin it 
and we'd start to form the body. But each of those were individual lessons, right? If you were to come up to me and you were to say, okay, I need you to make a nutcracker, literally top to bottom, start with the head. You're going to need to put some hair and some eyes and some lashes and some blush and lips and all of those things. And then make sure that you attach it to the body like this, but you got to spin the body. You can see how it it gets crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But no, what I did though, and it was so awesome because I, I realized something about myself. I realized that I could do anything with my hands, with in the wood shop. I could do anything. It was pretty terrible the first few times I did it, but every challenge that I got presented, I got good at and I could do. And it eventually turned into an amazing, beautiful product, right? But it was these little bitty lessons of like, hey, your lesson today is to just figure out the blush with this gun, go. And then a hundred later, it's like, great, now let's move to the eyeballs and here's your paintbrush. And then a hundred strokes later, later, right? That is how people learn. That is how people do. And this is how you can lead someone to success because even though you never thought you'd be working in a Christmas nutcracker shop, you, I'm sure, felt accomplished when you finally nailed it and completed an entire nutcracker. Absolutely. And so that's what you're doing with your learners. As you are educating online, whatever your craft or service is, you are guiding that learner to a single outcome after single outcome after single outcome, lesson by lesson by lesson to an entire picture of what they should be winning at. Yeah. And we talk about win, right? A, a winning outcome. The, the end result, the nutcracker, when it was done, that wasn't my takeaway win. I mean, it was great. That was just one of probably a hundred different wins because there were steps along the way that was like, oh, I did this and now I'm ready for this and now I'm ready for this and now I'm going to build this and now we're going to add to this. It was the steps of wins all along the way. And that's what online education is about. Each lesson that you teach should give somebody a win, an action that they can take that makes them want to go to the next action. If you dump it all at them at once, they're going to get confused they're going to experience fatigue in your lesson and they will most likely not want to talk about you when they are asked, hey, what did you do today? Yeah. <laughs> right. You want to be the educator who is known for giving people bite-sized wins because guess what? They feel good about themselves. The learner feels so good that they were able to accomplish something. Yeah. And it also helps you as the teacher, probably more so if you start to create lessons in bite-sized pieces where you focus in on a single winning action, it changes how you approach not only your, your lesson planning and your writing, but in how you teach it. So how will teaching in bite-sized pieces actually help us, the educator? First of all, it will give you an incredible amount of focus when you know, okay, I've got to write a lesson, whether it's two minutes, whether it's 50 minutes, it doesn't matter, but I've got to write a lesson and I'm literally only talking about this one thing. And I want my learner, when they're done with this lesson, to be able to go and do this one thing. It frees you up. It immediately helps you eliminate everything else that was on your mind and you can focus in and start to curate the right information to accomplish just that one task. Because as you know, Becca, it's much easier to go and do one thing than it is to do 20 other things all at once. Yes. Well, I, I, in my life, I thrive by having lots of irons in the fire. That's right. I can't pull out three irons and work on them at the same time. I have to pull one out at a time to focus on, to complete that task, put it back in, let it get hot and warmed up while I move on to the next one that's already ready. And so absolutely creating bite-sized lessons helps you as the educator stay focused in what you're doing. But it also helps you do what I like to call land the plane, right? This is so embarrassing because in public, literally, or when we're listening to things, Chad will make like this, like an airplane with his hand and be like, land the plane. Yeah. So, so 
ending a lesson, right? So going back to primacy, recency effect, people will remember the very first thing. They will typically remember the very last thing, which is a recap, right? For some reason, people struggle to round out the lesson, to recap it, to, to land the plane. And I've been part of so, I've been sitting, listening to so many teachers and so many lessons and literally the plane could have been landed 10 minutes ago, but instead they're just circling around the airport and they're just kind of taking the same word and they're just kind of repeating themselves. And they're, they're basically for 10 minutes straight saying the same thing that they could have just stopped and landed the plane. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, but if we all know, we can all (laughs) immediately picture ourselves in a situation where we're like, land the plane. plane, And then you put it in a learner's perspective. Uh, Remember, online learners typically come in and out frequently, right? They're learning probably in, in extracurricular time of their day, right? And they're sitting there and they're listening to it. And they're just like, please just get to the point, right? But instead, they're just listening to the cyclical teaching. You're just saying the same things over and over again. It- Especially when you are watching an online course or listening to an, for, to an audio course and you see on that little slider bar that there are still 15 minutes left to go. And you're like, how much more is there to say? And you're like, I get it. I, I, I totally understand what you are saying. Done, complete. And you want to move on. You want to move on. But as a teacher, from from a teacher's perspective, if you teach in bite-sized lessons, it's so much easier to land the plane, to round up the lesson. Um, if you go back to the beginner, intermediate, and advanced illustration we gave earlier, right? If, if you put all of that stuff in one single lesson, um, not only is that going to create an enormous amount of frustration and learning fatigue from the learners, but by the time you have to land the plane, you have to go back and recap. Everything you said about the beginner, Mm -hmm. everything you said about the intermediate, everything you said about the advanced, and then you have to work extra hard to try to find a way to tie it all together in a way that's going to work for the learner. Right. It's really hard and you can't do it. No, it doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work, which is why bite-sized lessons helps you as the educator not only focus or land the plane, but it also helps your SEO. And everybody listening to this podcast knows how important it is to be able to have a great SEO, whether that is in your blog content that you are, again, making only one blog post on beginner knitting techniques and one blog post on advanced knitter techniques. Having these bite-sized pieces helps your search optimization and people find what they're looking for because they can come to you to learn that specific point. Again, bite size will vary in length, right? Your ultimate goal isn't about time or space to fill up, but it's about leading the learner to achieve the outcome, the action, the win after each lesson. So today we talked about like, what does teaching in bite-sized pieces mean? What does that look like? Why is it important? How does it help the learner? How does it help you, the educator? And now we have three action steps for you to take and actually get better at your bite-sized pieces. Right. If you're wanting to take your current course, if you have one, or take a look at your current lessons and figure out how to make these into more bite-sized, manageable lessons, not only for yourself as the teacher, but also for your learner. One of the first places that we always recommend going is your titles. Again, I don't want to sit through a lesson and somebody say, hey, what did you just do? And say, oh, I did lesson three. That's not an action. That's not an outcome. So start with your titles. A title should summarize your action. 
in some way, your title, like three, four words max, should be a summary of the action that you're doing. So for example, cutting an onion is a great title for a lesson that teaches me how to cut an onion. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, hey, what did you just learn? I just watched the video on cutting an onion. Right. That's the or lesson title. Setting up the child's room for better sleep. What's that one called? Setting up a good sleep environment. Or intermediate routines beginner routines, advanced routines, right? The title should summarize it. So if you have a course, if you have lessons, first of all, go look at your titles. Do your titles summarize an action? And if you're confused on that and you're like, no, I think they do. This is a perfect opportunity in this action step. When you are starting with your titles, ask other people, ask people who are your friends or your family or even clients, past clients that you have a great relationship with. Hey, I'm putting out a course and I have my outlines here and I have my titles for my lessons. Could you just look through it and make sure that it makes sense? The second action step that we want you to focus on is to not allow your learners to become impatient for what the action is. Just get to it. Don't feel like you have to create space and fluff inside of your lesson. People are paying you money to literally not have fluff. The fluff, that's like social media and your blog posts sometimes where you're kind of filling up some space and not really getting to the point, but kind of getting to the point. When I pay you money for your online course content, give me exactly what I came for. Give me the action and get to it. Ask yourself, ask other people, like, what is the learner impatient for here? And that creates a a good amount of tension too, right? And and tension can be good, right? Because tension keeps you engaged. It keeps you hooked on on what you're doing. But ask the question, what is it that the learner's impatient for? That should be your action. That should be your outcome. We have one more action step for you guys today, which is reducing, not adding. You will always run into trouble when you try to add material. Our gut reaction when we think about teaching is to figure out how to fill up space, how to, how to fill up the time. We, we think that people are going to give us money, but in order to create value, we have to add a ton of words and we have to have a, a ton of, of information, which equals value, which is not true, right? One of the best things you can do to break down your information into bite-sized lessons is to start to reduce your lessons into the core entree, what matters the most. Get rid of the stuff that you think might be creative, that you think might be helpful, that you think might be cute. But it's just the garnish. Right. And get to the point. The three action steps, if you are listening today and you know that you are committed to going back to your course or looking at your course outline or notes that you have on your phone because you are ready to get something out there in the world, the three action steps are to start with your titles. Your lesson title should actually say what the action outcome is. We want you to not let your learners become impatient with your lesson. Get right to the point, get right to the action and teach it well. Remember, finally, to make sure that your action step is the entree. There is no reason to add in extra garnish, extra additives. Always remember to make it simple and not complicated. These three steps will help you get started on creating a bite-sized lesson for your learner. Now at the end of this episode on bite-sized pieces, 
it is our goal and our desire for you to take this and implement it as soon as you can into your online education. This is a great way to get connected with us. If you have questions about this, send us an email, connect at teachwellonline.com because this podcast and this content, we know in our core that this is exactly the way that when you show up to teach online, you will start to teach well and sell more, which is the whole point of this. Not only do we believe that showing up as a good educator who can properly communicate and teach in bite-sized pieces, will that serve you and your learner, but it will naturally cause more core sales and more income in your business. Thanks so much for listening to our series, How to Teach Well from A to Z. If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode on the letter A about teaching authentically, I want to encourage you to go and do that. Be sure to like and subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review down below and send this to someone you know who desires to teach well online. Because remember, everyone can teach well online if they know how.